Welcome to Can They Do That? brought to you by Scott Law Team, the employment law firm. We are excited to discuss recent employment issues and events that affect your everyday life. Keep in mind this podcast is educational and is not a substitute for legal advice or professional consultation. If you need help, you can reach us at scottlawteam.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Can They Do That? I'm Rachel Kelly, Marketing Director, and I'm joined by Kathleen Scott. How are you doing, Kathleen? Doing great today. Good to see you. It's good to see you, too. So you've been gone, actually. Where have you been? I spent a lot of the summer this year in Roanoke, Virginia. How's the weather up there? Weather was much cooler than Florida. I don't think anyone would describe it as cool, but compared to South Florida's humidity and close to 90 plus something days, it was definitely cooler than here. So it was a nice place to go and be. Well, it's great to have you back. And I'm super excited to begin this topic today. Let's talk about how hot it's getting in the workplace when we talk about politics. It is getting hot. And I suspect probably going to get a little bit hotter as well. Can an employer censor politics in the workplace? It's a great question. And then, of course, I'm going to give you the lawyer answer, which is it depends. Um, and the reason it depends is it's because uh, speech is kind of a difficult animal, right? Uh, and it depends on when speech bleeds over into other protected categories like religious beliefs, then there is higher levels of protection. But generally speaking, and we're here in Florida, and I think it's important for our listeners to say uh, this is not a substitute for legal advice. Uh, my comments are kind of general, but I will tell you in Florida, there is no right to free speech in the workplace. What? Like, let me say that again, right? So employees think that they have a, a free speech right where they can come in and say whatever they want in the workplace. That's not true. And so you can actually be terminated in the state of Florida, which is an at-will state, for sharing your comments and your views. So free to speak, but not free of consequences. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. So um, you talk about employers being able to discipline on political talk. What are the types of conversations that are able to be disciplined. Yeah. So if an employee just starts spouting off about, you know, their supported candidate, um, or if they have a belief about border walls, or they have a belief about, or an opinion, I should say, about the way the country is running and the general direction, they just start saying it in the workplace. If the company says, look, we don't talk about that here, they could be disciplined for that. I know that's going to be a surprise to a lot of people. And let me put that in context, because I think when you just talk about it, um, it's sort of gaslighting when you say, oh, there's no free speech in the workplace. Like That's going to catch a headline. And so I want to not be a news agency. I want to provide a full context to that. If you walk into the workplace and you carry a bag or a purse, can your employer search that? Yeah. In the state of Florida, they can. You don't have a right of privacy. So when you think about that, what about your locker? Yeah, they can look in your locker. They can look in your purse. They can look in your locker. Your car is a little different. Um, and incidentally, you can keep a weapon in your car and lock it up. And that's another story for another day. But then what about your words? Well, yeah, that's just like your locker. It's just like that what's in your purse, right? You, your employer can, can pretend tell you what to bring into their workplace. And they can tell you what words can come out of your mouth too. Now, there are exceptions to that, and I think that's probably where your question gets at. Yeah. So can you tell me more about those exceptions? Yeah. So if I say I believe a woman has a right to choose and my coworker says, well, I think it's my religious belief that that abortion is murder and she wants to talk about her religious beliefs and I get offended by that and I kind of tell her off and make a joke or make fun of Christianity or something like that, do you see how that bleeds over from speech into religious context. And so in that situation, the, the question is, and it's not as clear as I'd like it to be, is can the employer discipline both employees? 
Well, sure they can, but will the employee who was talking about Christian doctrine have a higher level of protection to her speech because she's also talking about religion? The answer to that is probably. You know, it's not a black and white issue, but certainly there's definitely more protection when things slide into religious beliefs. So that's a protected category. What political party you support, not a protected category. So speaking in terms of legality, in terms of employment law, what about when somebody is giving their political belief online, maybe through an account, maybe they're following their business, like I follow Scott Law yeah. Team. Hopefully everybody's following the Scott Law Team. No. So it's a good question. So in this day and age, social media can be used to organize employees. And so an employee can be like, hey, can you believe this policy or this practice? And other employees can respond, I agree or I disagree. I like that policy. What's that? That's concerted protected activity. We call that CPA. Why does that matter? Because when employees can organize, uh, that's protected. That's protected speech. So that's one of these crazy exemptions, right? So employees are allowed to join together to complain to about their workplace. They can talk about terms and conditions of employment, their pay, policies, um, how the company terminates them. They're requiring them to sign a non-compete. Anything that employees are talking about. That's one type of protected conduct. So an employer cannot take that away from them. If they do, they're going to violate a federal statute known as the National Labor Relations Act, which is enforced by the National Labor Relations Board. And so that's one of those areas where it matters what the conversation's about. Okay. So theoretically, Joe Schmo gets online and he's super upset that his employer is in support of a specific candidate. And he goes online and he says, I cannot believe that my boss likes yada yada. Can you get in trouble for that? She had to give me the zingers. That's a good question. <laughs> and it's a tough one because it's not really about the workplace. It's about the personal belief of his boss. So I would argue that probably doesn't have anything to do with this concerted protected activity. Um, now, if your hypothetical question included, can you believe my boss supports blank? As soon as that guy gets elected, I know he's going to reduce the taxes that employers have to pay. And I know the company's going to institute these policies that will prohibit us from talking about pay. So now if he brings it back into the workplace, it's a little bit of a, you know, we have to figure out where that, where the rubber meets the road on this issue, right? Like how much of what the boss is saying relates to the employment practices. The second you get into employment practices, much like when it got into religious beliefs, boom, that can become protected speech. Okay, interesting. So now let's talk about when you are talking in the employment space mm -hmm. about politics. Employee to employee, employee to employer. What are the do's and don'ts? So who's doing the talking decides what law applies. Interesting. Coworkers talking and complaining, NLRB applies. Manager talking, so sorry. Managers don't have really the same protections as, as employees. So the manager can spew all day about the misgivings of the employer and the policies and practices that they don't like. That's never going to be protected under the National Labor Relations Act because that statute only protects non-supervisors. So that part, so who's doing the talking matters. Oh. So And it also has to be concerted, which just means more than one. So you can't just be complaining about your own things. You got to be complaining about it and then bringing other people in or what you're complaining about has to include the plight of other workers. So I got written up today. I can't believe my boss is such a jerk. Not concerted protected speech. That's just you talking about something that happened to you. But I got written up today and don't you know it? I was late one time and all these men, they're always late and they never get written up. But the girls and I, when we come in, 
Secondly, boom, first thing we're down in the supervisor's office getting written up. That's protected because the person's not just talking about their own write-up. They're talking about the practice of the employer. So it's concerted. Even if they're wrong or they're making an assumption, they're basing on feelings? Gosh, yeah. I mean, well, anytime there's, it's got to be reasonable. And so in the law, we have this sort of reasonable person standard. It's sort of this arbitrary individual that's out there floating around, knows what's reasonable. I would argue there's, that person is suffering from a lot of serious issues in this current context. But <laughs> this, this hypothetical reasonable person, it's got to be reasonable in their belief. So if they, you know, and they, they're talking about their observations, so yes, that would be protected. But bringing it back to politics, which is kind of the talking point. So if an employee, if a coworker says, I watched the debate last night, the president's a buffoon, and the other person says, well, your candidate's a this, that, and the other thing, and they start getting into it, that's not really concerted protected activity because they're not talking about the policies. But the second that conversation moves from who they like to and if that person were president, how it would affect the workplace? I think they start sliding into that. So everything, context matters. It's hard to have a bright line rule in these kind of situations, but um, hopefully that gets it done. Yeah. But the water cooler talk is definitely heating up. It is. Maybe even boiling. So in the sense that it feels like it's boiling, it kind of feels like a minefield. Topics to avoid or topics that employers should try to minimize. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of cases right now where someone's voicing their opinion. The border wall is a great example of a political topic that can bleed into a protected category like national origin. You know, so some people might watch news sources that describe people who are coming across the border in a way that might be offensive. So if you're a Mexican-American or you're a Spanish speaker and hearing individuals described as, you know, criminals or illegal aliens, that may, that even that description could be considered non-human or offensive, right? And then people be like, oh, I don't have to be so woke. It's like, you really just shouldn't talk about the border wall opinions in the workplace because the chances are you might really upset. And here's how the conversation goes. I think we should close the borders. We, this person's for open borders and those people are flooding through the workplace. Well, here we have an issue. Someone's just referred to someone as, quote unquote, those people. Who are those people? And if that person continues, you know, non-English speakers who come to our country to take our food and get a free education and have free health care. And now sitting across the table, you have someone who's immigrated here who is a hard worker and they're like probably into the country, maybe through questionable ways, maybe not. But you've now created a situation where it isn't just about your opinion anymore. You've now said things and words that invoke a protected category, somebody's right to work in the workplace and be free from discrimination. And some of those comments could arguably start knocking on discrimination's door. Hot topic. Let me give you some do's and don'ts just to kind of go from there. So if you're an employer, please know that employees are going to discuss religious beliefs in the workplace. Um, employers should avoid encouraging that if possible, but mostly look out for employees that might feel pressured to attend because of fear of saying, no, I don't want to sit in on this group meeting talking about prayer, um, how that could be offensive, right? So free speech, there aren't a lot of rights in the workplace unless that speech bleeds over into other protected categories like we talked about religion and we talked about someone's national origin or Spanish speakers, you know, so we have to be careful about that. Politics are going to be discussed in the workplace as our current events. So an employer can handle that by keeping an eye and a listening ear. Healthy discord, not really an issue, but when it bleeds over into these other topics like religion um, or 
someone's national origin, the employer is going to have a duty to step in and kind of curtail that and make sure that other people aren't being feeling pressured or feeling belittled or feeling condescended or feeling uncomfortable. And the employer is going to have a duty to correct that. Now, a lot of employers may say, I'm just going to stamp it out. Well, good luck with that because I think that it's a, it's a reality. I applaud that decision. I don't know how you can do that because people are human. And when things happen, you know, things happen, people are going to discuss it at work. Um, there is an argument to be made about encouraging discussion because sometimes people think other people don't like them because of a perceived belief system that they have. And so maybe having a nice friendly discussion, if it can be fostered, can be a good idea. But in general, um, employers should be cautious about speech in the workplace, politics, speech, or taking sides. They should also be very cautious about disciplining employees for comments that they make outside the workplace, like on social media, like we talked about that concerted protected activity. Um, employers should have objective criteria for promotions so that people don't feel like, oh, well, that's the boss's friend and I know they have the same political beliefs, so that's probably why that person's getting promoted. When you don't have clearly published criteria that tries to remove subjectivity, an employer's um, decision-making is always going to be questioned without that kind of hardcore criteria. Criteria equals objectivity equals less subjectivity equals people understanding what the rules are, where the scorecard is, and therefore fairness sort of comes from that, right? Um, so that's good. Employers should take it very seriously when an employee complains to them that something that is discussed in the workplace um, turns into a religious discussion or something about the protected characteristic. You know, there's been a lot of talk about LGBTQ community, um, about religious beliefs, about politics that you know lead over into other certain kind of national origin conversations. An employer has to keep an eye on those because it makes sure that everybody's feeling comfortable and no one's being belittled or chastised because of that. So it's a I don't envy anybody in this climate who's trying to foster a workplace um, that's becoming more and more tribal. Some do's do have policies, do have handbooks, do have rules, but they're only as good as you talk about them and enforce them. Core value should include some type of value that discusses respect. Respect means that you can't change what's in someone's head or their heart, but you can absolutely control what comes out of their mouth in the workplace. And if you see an employer use an employee using hurtful speech or hurting another employee or making comments that are very hurtful, you sh you can and should address that problem in the workplace. Um, and we're, of course, we're always here to help answer some of those questions. What should employees do in regards to this divide they're feeling between their employer and themselves? I know the right answer to this question is to avoid those topics in the workplace. That's the employment law answer. However, I think we're living through a moment in history where no one's talking and more importantly, no one's listening. And so the workplace may be one of the few places where you're forced to be around people who aren't in your immediate tribe. Think about school, same kind of thing. So you come to work every day, you don't get to pick the people you work with. And so, of course, they're not going to all share your values and your family and your background and your experience. They're probably not going to share all your politics. I mean, things are pretty 50-50 divisive right now, right, the way people feel. So employers would do wise to have a policy that don't talk about politics in the workplace. And I think that's smart and that's good and avoids all these issues. I'm going to say the probing thing out loud, which that is also the easy way out. So if, you step, if I step out of the role of employment attorney and I look at it, in a deeper way, it's like people have got to find a way to communicate with each other somehow in a way that you can listen. You know, I heard a commentator say, it used to be that seeing was believing. Now you have to believe something before you can see it's happening. So it's 
we don't have a way to communicate. And I feel like all we're doing is retreating into our corners and more of our, and our, and we're growing our, our tribe. And now we're all watching the same, um, news and that's part of the tribe now. And it's the same media and that's part of the tribe now. Like something has to be the breaking point. And I don't know if that's the employment place is the right place, but I know that it is a place where people are forced to be together to see different views about each other. And so maybe there has to be a way to kind of have a dialogue or allow a dialogue. And so if things get really bad, an employer could consider fostering conversations or at least working on ways to have conversations that would encourage people to be able to have a safe space to share their views. But I'm probably being overly optimistic. Do you think civil discourse is a lost skill? Civil discourse is a necessary part of a democracy. And your ability to speak out in a way to say, I think this is what's right, and to be able to listen to another person say, yeah, but I think this is what's right, is required. And so we do a lot of talk about freedom, right? But what does freedom mean? We know that people have died in the name of freedom. We know that wars have been started in the name of freedom. But what does it really mean? It means you have to give up a certain amount of individualism in order to function as a whole for the good of society. I know that that's an unpopular thing to say right now, but it has historically been the basis of democracy, right? Um, landowners historically gave up the right to self-govern their own land in exchange for having a quote-unquote federal government or state government. So democracy does require living and breathing in a group of people, having a set of rules that everyone abides by. And so you could argue that you have to give up a certain amount of individual self-governance in order to live in a democracy. And that's going to create an opportunity for you to have an opinion about certain things. And I think what's what's happening is people don't value that. Where they're like, if they can't do what they want 24-7 all the time, in the name of freedom, they declare that someone else has infringing upon their rights. But it's like, hold up. Democracy requires civic responsibility. One of those things is to go vote. We know that. But one of those things is also to recognize that you can't always get everything you want 24-7 in the name of freedom. You have to give up a little bit in exchange for living in a law-abiding organization where people may not always share your exact values. But the benefit you get from living in an organization like that and from in a country like that is safety, security, law and order. Those are the things, hopefully, that I do have common value. So I get, I could go on forever about this. I'm very passionate about it, as you can probably tell. No, I can tell. And I'm just thinking of it as scaling it down from country to state to city to town to your employment area, to your office, and making sure that your office has those core values, making sure your office values having civil discourse. And maybe that might be a solution moving forward. Maybe it would be a solution. And I think that listening is what's critical, right? Listening is what's critical. Yeah, you know, I recently had a personal experience where I, um, when I was traveling, I was out of town, so I was eating out a lot, and I was there by myself a lot and exploring a town. So you eat dinner by yourself, sit at the bar, meet people, and um, I sat next to somebody who made a comment about the former president, and I was like, hands up, fighting position, ready to strike, and then I was like, unclench my hands, open my palms, listen, and turns out what they were saying, I googled it when I went to the bathroom, turned out to be true. And I was like, oh, hey, I owe you an apology. I kind of came at you. And what I recognized is that I didn't know anything about what they were talking about. And it was about this gentleman who got arrested on the subway in New York for doing a chokehold. And, you know, I have a lot of MMA background and, and martial arts is something I'm very passionate about. Um, I'm going to say I have an MMA background. I mean, I have trained martial arts. Um, so I want to be clear. But I, I 
read the story and learned about it. And they were exactly right what they were saying about the disposition of the case. I just applied my personal bias to what I thought the situation was about because probably because of the media that I consume that told me how to feel about it. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. I think we've all fallen victim to that. But it, it was helpful for me to be able to say to the person, hey, you know, I own your apology. You were right about that. I can't believe that and have a dialogue. I think that's what people need to do. They need to listen, do their own research have a belief that's formed from their own personal experience and also from their own knowledge of facts and not just to be told how to believe. If you're in a workplace where you feel like you're either about to be terminated or the employer is about to make a decision because there's discourse, right? And that discourse stems from sort of a dispute that you're having with a coworker or maybe with the company's policies on a political level. Like what's, is there an, is there an opportunity? Like do you, do you have to say, or do you have to go? So I think there's something happening where the workplace is becoming as tribal as society and employers are out there trying to introduce policies and workplace training and harassment and discrimination prevention are getting labeled as quote unquote woke and other companies are like, I have a right. If I only want to hire people who think and feel just like me, I have a right to do that. Um, and there's problems with that. And so, you know, I have a, I have clients who want to, have a company that looks like them and they happen to be white men and they happen to have been raised in South Florida. And Florida is one of those weird states where you go north to go south. So the closer you get to Orlando, the more kind of like divided, I'm going to say, um, the state can get. And so why can't they hang a Confederate flag in the workplace? That's that's the way they were raised. And they want to hire people who have Confederate flags put on the back of their pickup trucks. And that's their feel and their look. Compare that to another employer who might be like, I want everyone to feel welcome here. I want to have a multicultural, diverse workplace so that we can show that we are integrated. And we want our clients to know that anyone from any walk of life feels comfortable here. And so those are two very different approaches to the same problem, which leads me back to workplaces are becoming tribal. And so it may be one of the last places where people are forced to be together who have differing views. And so should the employer foster that? And there are ways to do that. You mentioned mediation. You asked a question about mediation. Mediation does work in the employment context, even while the employee still works there. I mean, there could be um, a situation where an employee could make a complaint, well, I feel uncomfortable because of this. You know, imagine that you're a person of a color who's of color and you walk into the workplace and you find um, a Confederate flag hanging in your company that could be offensive to you. Everyone has different levels of offensiveness, but so the employer might feel like, well, that's my Southern heritage. I have a right to hang that flag. And that question becomes, do they? Do they? Well, I think if it's, if they're, sometimes Southern heritage is a, is a code word for white nationalism and that could be considered racism. And so to me, the issue is simple. Do you want your employees to feel safe at work? If the answer is yes, then just take the flag down. I don't think you're giving up any, you can hang your flag at home. Like if you want the workplace to be an all-inclusive place where there's ideas to exchange, then then you maybe should make an effort. Much like you wouldn't have nails in your workplace and tell people to walk around barefoot. That's a safety issue. That's going to cost money. These cost money too. They take, they're disruptive. They take time away from the production that you're giving to employees. So I don't have the answer, but what I can tell you is that the employment, the workplace does have rules and if a goal, and I can tell you it's good for business to have a workplace where people feel safe and they can be productive and not have to worry about whether or not their boss is judging them fairly. Because here's the, the problem. Does someone have the right to be a racist? Probably. You know, we can't judge people for their thoughts and beliefs. But when a Confederate flag hanging employer makes a decision and that decision happens to affect someone who's of color, 
Is it a whole lot easier to sue that employer for discrimination? Yeah. Even if their decision in that case wasn't racially motivated, they're basically opening the door by wearing their Southern heritage on their sleeve. So what's the right answer? Should they hide who they are or should they only hire workers that are just like them? So if they only hire workers just like them, the problem for the employer is you're only going to attract clients that like to work with people just like them. And now the employer is missing out on great talent. So I think it's a complex problem. And so while I'm not saying everyone has to be like the word woke gets overutilized, but can we just agree on comfort maybe and non-offensiveness, right? And so much like you may have a workplace that says don't wear a rainbow t-shirt if you're supporting the LBGTQ community, you should can have a, a policy that says, and please don't park your truck with your Confederate flag on the back of it in the parking lot. I think there's some basic rules that maybe we can agree on that allow the employer to recognize that I'm not just putting people to work here. I'm a little bit of a microcosm of society and maybe we can all do our part to make sure that like it's non-offensive. Now for those who are listening, and they're stuck in a situation that is maybe it's just uncomfortable. Do you have words of recommendation for them on how to pursue any sort of legal representation or advice? Yes. And I want to say, just because you don't like the workplace doesn't mean it's a hostile work environment. This word toxic, bullying, they get overused, hostile work environment, overused. Let me break it down. Only workplaces that are treating you differently because of your age, race, sex, gender, national origin, and maybe your hair, which is a new thing, or other protected characteristic. So the harassment has to be based on that protected characteristic. That's legal goop. So let me break it down. If I say, Rachel, you look great today. That's not sexual harassment. That's a compliment. If I say, Rachel, I really like it if you could go out with me. You're looking so sexy in that dress, and I would love to take you out to dinner tonight. Okay, that's ridiculous. That You shouldn't be asked that. If I yell and use profanity all day long and I belittle and I am outrageous and I slam my fists and I slam doors, am I creating a hostile work environment? No. Really? Okay. Because I'm not doing it because of anyone's gender or their racial background or their ethnicity. You're just a jerk. Mm -hmm. But, and this is a true case, I start sending emails with in his name and H is capitalized and I start having mandatory prayer and I start putting up the Ten Commandments on the wall and say, these are our guiding core values and our principles. Have I created a hostile work environment? I think I may have been definitely doing some things that are not a good idea and definitely knocking on religious discrimination store in that situation. So general workplace misgivings don't equal a hostile environment. It has conduct has to be directed at you with an animus towards age, race, sex, gender, pregnancy, discrimination, disability, some protected characteristic. That's a big distinction. Um, and if you don't know, be careful before you complain because not all complaints are equal. If you go to your boss every time something isn't the way you want it, you're going to get labeled as a complainer and the law is not going to protect you if you get fired. The law only protects you against what's called retaliation if what you complain about counts. So if you're complaining about, I don't want to read the Ten Commandments and have prayer every morning and you get fired for that, that's a good case for retaliation. If you complain about, my boss tells me I look nice every morning and you get fired for being ridiculous, you don't have a wrongful termination case because what you complained about isn't sexual harassment. So I think that lesson here is, you know, if you're not sure, um, definitely contact a labor and employment attorney for a consultation. 
But the line is, if you feel like it's happening because of your gender, if you're being overlooked for promotions, uh, you keep watching men come in and get promoted over you that you trained last. I mean, something's going on there. Then that's the kind of thing you complain about. But not all complaints are equal. Now, do you recommend quitting and then seeking advice? No, definitely not. (laughs) Definitely not. First of all, you can elevate your legal position greatly if while you're still employed, um, you can try to... Plus, let's just talk about the practical application. Let's be problem solving. Maybe it isn't gender. Maybe your employer is crediting a certain type of certification or a certain type of educational background that if you knew that and you could fix that and you could go get that certification, now you'll be in line with promotion. Instead of walking around believing that you didn't get a job based on your gender, maybe it has something to do with something not related to your protected characteristic. Jumping back to the Ten Commandments idea, say you don't like that, you're a different religion, but you really love your job. Should you choose between seeking action against your employer or should you find another job? Yeah, should, right? So I think there's layers of, of, of that in there. Some places aren't a good fit for you, but what, you sh- but what the law requires is that you don't have to choose between feeling safe in terms of free from religious prosecution. Now, you can have a pro-religion kind of workplace without being anti-other religions, although arguably <laughs> that's, just, that's very difficult to do. And this is the whole issue with, well, if you're going to put a nativity scene, do you then have to put up the Kwanzaa and the Hanukkah displays in, in the name of you know equality? So for the employer, I think you need to dial it down and keep it neutral. Um, it's one thing for an employer to say, I happen to be Christian, or I happen to be Jewish, but we certainly welcome conversations and dialogues about from, from people from all from all walks of life. I mean, you can foster diversity that way. And, and what studies show is that the more diverse the workplace is, the better the workplace can be productive-wise because you're bringing in different ideas and you get a better work product. Um, what should the employee do? I mean, that's a personal choice, right? But the law doesn't want them to choose between, inter- you know, they shouldn't have to choose between working somewhere where they're being persecuted. But also just hanging commandments on the wall, maybe some people won't feel persecuted by that. You know, if I walked into a workplace and they had the Ten Commandments, I would be like, different, but I probably wouldn't instantly feel offended because, okay, you know. Um, so maybe the goal, maybe not the goal, maybe the idea is also reevaluate why you're getting offended. Reevaluate if it's worth getting offended, offended over. Why does this upset me so much is a good question to ask. Because if the, if the answer is, well, I feel like I don't subscribe to those, to the religion that's being focused on in my workplace, which shouldn't be there. Um, maybe there's a reason that you don't feel valued. And if that is because you feel like you don't fit into the tribe because you're from outside of it, that's a problem. One that, you know, you might not be able to fix by going to your boss if that's really what's going on. But if that's the case, that might be discrimination. On that note, thank you so much, Kathleen, for joining me today on Can They Do That? As always, you can listen to previous episodes by checking out Can They Do That? on your favorite streaming platforms. And you can also find some tidbits on our social media where we post behind the scenes, looking aheads, and future previews. Check us out at Scott Law Team on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. And be sure to listen to our next episode next Thursday.